Would you look in the book of Proverbs and the uh, 20th chapter, Proverbs 20. We began a few weeks ago on a series we're calling The Spirit of Man. The Spirit of Man. The Lord reminded me that when we began the church in Branson, which is now, what, 18 years ago? It was in 02, so this is 20. Yeah, <laughs> 18 years ago, the Lord gave me three primary directives for the church, and that has not changed. And uh, I felt I should, I should bring it up again. I should remind myself and you. Uh, one, that we were, as ministers, Phyllis and I were to teach and minister this, and as a family we were to emphasize this and get this and do this. Number one, first principle, love each other. We should not rush past that one. Love each other. We, we need to teach about it. We need to think about it. We need to practice it. It is the New Testament commandment. It's not, this is not about feelings. This is about choices. And it's, it's about being a giver. You know, uh, you'll find people tend to fall into one of two categories. Givers and takers. And uh, if, you're, if you don't have faith, you're a taker. Because you, you think if you don't take it or make it happen, it's not going to happen. It takes faith to quit pressuring people and quit trying to make things happen yourself or quit trying to take what you want and trust God to make it happen. Say it out loud, I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. The greatest giver of all is God. He so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And I am a giver child of a giver God. I take after my daddy, my father. He's the greatest giver that's ever been. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a giver. I'm a giver child of a giver God. I enjoy giving. I love to give. I live to give. Do you know? You, you just got through saying, I live to love. Because the greatest expression of love is giving. If you're walking in love all the time, you are giving all the time. I didn't say giving in. I said giving. And if you're giving, there's no strings attached. It's not you wanting something or de demanding or requiring something in return. It's a free, no strings attached gift. Can you say amen? amen. The second principle is that we are to live by faith. To understand what faith is. To live by it, walk by it, grow in it. Number three, these three big main principles, is that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. These are the three main principles the Lord gave me when we started the church in Branson 18 years ago that this was to be an emphasis and directive for Phyllis and I, what we minister, what we lead, what we demonstrate, what we do, and for you, what you do. Say it out loud. Love each other. Love each other. 
Live by faith. Be led by the Spirit. How many think that covers a lot of ground? If you, if you were doing those three things full time all the time. Well, the reason I mention it is because we're back around again now to number three about learning how to be led by the Spirit. And if you haven't been with us in previous years, we've covered a lot of ground in these past 18 years on this subject. We've got series uh, Spirit-Led Life 1 and 2, and there's a number of things. Look on the uh, website if you're interested, and you should be interested in these things, uh, because, you know, it's the only way to get things right, is to be led by the Spirit. If you don't, you're going to be missing it. You're going to be making a lot of mistakes. And missing it right and left. But if we, uh, nobody has ever missed it uh, following the Spirit. (laughs) Right? You missed it when you didn't follow the Spirit. Uh, In Proverbs 20, are you there? Proverbs 20. Thanks be to God. And 27, it says, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. That word candle in other translations is translated lamp. What is the Lord's lamp? The spirit of man. The complete Jewish Bible says the human spirit is a lamp of Adonai. It searches one's inmost being. The W.E.B. says the spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp. How are we to understand that? God enlightens us by our own spirit. He uses your spirit to communicate with you, to enlighten you, and to lead you. If... uh, If there's something in your life that you don't know, you don't know what to do, that's darkness. Because in the light, you see. If you were in this uh, building today and you had said, "I, I, I can't see how to get out of here, why would that be? It must, not enough light, right? Well, It could seem, if you'd never been in here and you got disoriented, it could seem very confusing. You could, uh, you know, try to go this way and run into these chairs and try to go that way and and run into the camera stand and try to go this way. And you're hitting the podium and and you think, well, I, you know, you could get frustrated. How do I get out of here? What's the problem? You don't have enough light. But with enough light, what do you do? It becomes really simple. Right? Oh, there's an exit sign. Right? You can avoid all the obstacles, all of the tripping, all of the falling, all of the injuring, and you can save a ton of time by just going directly because you have light. Oh, somebody say light, light. So anytime, whether it's yourself or anybody, you hear somebody talking about, I just don't know what to do. What what do you know? No light. I don't don't know which way to go. Well, with with enough light, it's obvious to you which way to go. With enough light, it's very clear what you should do. Uh, Well, where are we going to get this light? 
Your own spirit is the lamp the Lord uses to enlighten you and me. Should we be aware of our own spirit? Many people are not. This is why we're camping on it. This is why we're on it. In the uh, in Romans, if you'd look there, the eighth chapter and the fourteenth verse. Romans eight fourteen it says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God can expect to be led." By the Spirit of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you did receive a spirit of adoption in which we cry, Abba, Father. Now we're going to talk about this in some detail today. He he gives descriptors of what you follow and what you don't follow. How, How the Holy Spirit is and how he is not. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage. The the Bible said the truth will do what for you? Well, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Well, if you're following the spirit of truth, is that going to put you in bondage? No. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. And he said, uh, the spirit of bondage again to fear. What puts you in bondage? It was the spirit of the world. It was the spirit of bondage. It was the spirit of fear. God didn't give me and you the spirit of fear. Y'all going to help me preach this today or leave me hanging here? Say it out loud, God didn't give me. The spirit of fear. Then why should you follow it? I want you to say it out loud. Let this be burned into your consciousness. Say it out loud. Never follow fear. Never. Never be led by fear. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever been led by fear? Yes you have. Too many times. What do you mean? You did something because you were scared of something. So what's wrong with that? Everything. If you're following fear, you're not following God. So who's leading you? Is everybody awake? If you're, if you're following fear, he's not the spirit of fear. He's not the spirit of bondage. He's not the spirit of the world. If you're following fear, who's leading you? Who are you following? It'd be the evil one. Some influence of his. I want you to say it again out loud. And make it a confession this time. Say, I I never follow fear. fear. I refuse refuse to be led By fear. fear. Will it push you? Oh man. Can you experience a lot of pressure from fear? Well, we see it throughout the world right now, don't we? I mean, people are. But if you just jump and do something, uh, knee jerk response, because you're scared, 
What happens is the direction you went was the direction the enemy wanted you to go. And he, if you'll follow it, he will lead you into destruction. He will lead you into a place where he can steal from you or destroy something in your life or kill. I mean, all you got to do is just look at the natural world around you. How many people jerked, jumped, ran, did something and lost their money, had a terrible car wreck, got killed? You you see what I'm saying? Why? They were following fear. When you feel fear and you feel the pressure of it to move, to jump, to say, to make a decision, you need to become immobile. (laughs) And you say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I refuse to fear. You need to say it out loud when I mean when your knees are knocking. You need to say it out loud. I refuse to fear. And I refuse to act on fear. I refuse to follow fear. I refuse to. God didn't give me the spirit of fear. Well, then if he didn't give it to me, where's it coming from? See, this is, these, these are, it begins to become more clear why the Lord is so adamant when he would say, fear not. Don't fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Why? And this is not just a nice encouragement. This is the Lord endeavoring to keep us out of trouble. To keep the door closed on the enemy. We must not follow fear. You remember... Uh, uh, who was it, Jair's daughter, that uh, they said she had already died. And, and when they came and said, don't trouble the master any further, what did he do? He turned around and, and looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because you get into fear. They were moving the right direction. He's going to his house. A miracle is already in progress if he doesn't mess it up by yielding to fear and panicking. Just because you have feelings of fear doesn't mean you have to yield to it. You will have some feelings, but that's when you've got to make the choice. You need to use this phrase from time to time. And there are times you need to speak right up and say it out loud. Fear, get out of here. Fear, I resist you. Leave me. I refuse to fear. And you're certainly, if you're saying, I refuse to yield to the fear, I'm certainly not going to follow it and act on it and make a decision based on the pressure of this fear. Read it again, verse 15. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear will lock you up. I mean, you see, enough panic, people will freeze. That's literally locking up, right? Well, that's, the, that's not the Spirit of God. We have received what spirit? Not the spirit of bondage, not the spirit of fear. We receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean to us? What, how, how does this affect us to know 
He is the spirit of adoption. That's what we're talking more about today. Verse 16. The spirit itself. I don't like that translation. The King James I'm pretty big on. But here I don't like it. It's the word autos. It should be himself. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit repeatedly as he. Not it. Don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Unless you don't mind being referred to as an it. You don't refer to persons as it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The, uh, the Weist translation says it like this. The Spirit himself is constantly bearing joint testimony with our spirit that we are God's children. The Lord uses our own spirit as a lamp to illuminate us and enlighten us. And there is somebody else inside us. Another person. Hmm? And he bears joint witness with our spirit. My spirit is not the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit lives in me. And bears witness with my spirit. Um, <clears throat> thank you Lord. One of the big things about being led by the spirit. Is simply recognizing him. The further I go. The more I see. The Lord is speaking. But people don't recognize it. He, is, he has already given answers, but people didn't realize it was him that spoke to them. This is a giant problem among Christians that they're not recognizing the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, used to say this. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but... It's true. He, he said a lot of folks wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if they met him coming down the road with a red hat on. They wouldn't, they wouldn't recognize him. What does he mean by that? That means they, they could see and hear him and, and not be aware that it's him. Is that true, you think? Yeah. Or not? And he, he used to say this. He said, uh, many are seeking after the spectacular. And they're missing the supernatural. And I'd say it like this. Many are seeking after the supernatural. Or excuse me. The spectacular. And they're missing the spirit. They're looking for something startling. Something spectacular. And not realizing they've already heard from God. They already heard from him. It was his spirit. And they didn't acknowledge that it was him. They're still looking for something else. Is everybody awake? In John, this happened with Jesus concerning his whole earthly ministry. In John 1 and 10. John 1 and 10 says, He was in the world. And the world was made by him. And what? What? 
The world knew him not. Now we'd probably use a word today in modern vernacular. The world did not recognize him. Did not recognize him. Verse 11. He came unto his own. And they what? They didn't receive him. Because in large part. They didn't recognize him. You know Isaiah 53. Have you, have you ever read that wonderful passage? Isaiah 53. Part of it goes into some detail about saying. When we see him. There's no form or comeliness about him. That we should desire him. When Jesus said, when they, when they nailed him to the cross, when he said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. How could you nail to the cross somebody who's glowing with a halo? They did not think he was the Messiah. And uh, you could have met Jesus on the street. And there wouldn't have been a physical appearance about him that you'd just go, whoa, he's the son of God. You think about all the people that said blasphemous things concerning him and people and the leaders that tried to kill him. I mean, and, and the thing is, these uh, doctors of the law and, and scribes and Pharisees, their whole life and profession is the word. So they're studying and talking scriptures every day. And they're supposed to be experts on the scriptures, the word. Well, all of that word is pointing to him. And prophesying about him. And types uh, that reveal him. And the word that they claim to love so much shows up, manifested in the flesh. They are seeing God. They are hearing God and they hate it. They want to kill him. This is what many have not understood. People thought, well, you know, if people really see and hear God, they'll love him. I wish that were true. But they saw and heard God, didn't they? And by and large, They rejected him. It's still going on today. People are seeing and hearing God, but they are refusing to acknowledge that it is God and not recognizing him and refusing to receive him. By the grace of God, I'm not going to be like that. How about you? Are you joining me with this? Say it out loud. By the grace of God, I will not. Fail to recognize and receive my Lord. Hallelujah. He said he came to his own, his own received him not. But as, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Who received power and had miracles and became to become the sons of God? Not those who rejected him. Those who received him. John 17, 25. John 17, 25, when Jesus was praying, he said this. He said, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you've sent me. 
The world, he said, did not know me, had not known you. And he goes on in John 8 and other places to say, you know, if they didn't know you, they didn't know me. If they had known me, they would have known my father also. Known, failed to recognize. Go back with me, please, to 1 Samuel and the third chapter. Notice this. 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3. This is the story of the beginning of Samuel's life, who was and is a great prophet of the Lord. I'm looking forward to meeting him one day. How about you? Huh? And, uh, you know, his mother could not conceive for years and years. And she prayed to the Lord and said if the Lord would give her a child, she would give him to the Lord. And she literally did, man. She conceived when he was born. As soon as he was old enough to wean, she brought him to the temple. And that's where he stayed. He grew up as a child and a little boy in the temple. That's where he lived with the priest and his family. And the Bible said in the third chapter in verse uh, 1, the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. So he's a, as, as a child, he's young, very young. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. This is indicative of, of a backslidden nation and people. Uh, the, the worse shape that people are in spiritually, the less of the manifestations of visions and, and prophecy and manifestations of the Spirit that you see. How many have a desire for more of the Word of the Lord? And when he's talking about, he's talking about the uh, you know the strongest manifestation of hearing from God and of the gifts of the Spirit. The, we're told to desire them and covet earnestly the best gifts. And the more we do and the closer we draw to Him, we'll have more of these things. But again, it's not seeking after the spectacular. That's a mistake. It, it goes on to say that it came to pass at that time, uh, Samuel's a child living there in the temple. Eli uh, was laid down in his place. His eyes began to wax dim. He was older and he couldn't see well. And verse 3, before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, there is the, you know, the multi-armed lampstand that burns olive oil, giving light at night where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. You know, that's not a place, bad place to grow up. <laughs> the ark is just right over there. <laughs> the presence of the Lord is there. And the Lord called Samuel. Who called him? Who called him? You know, people get upset sometimes if, if one of us nowadays might say, the Lord said something to me. People, you know, their eyes get big and go, he thinks he's hearing from God. Is he hearing voices? Well, 
The Bible is full of people God spoke to. Isn't it? Full of people that heard from God. Well, when did God quit speaking? A lot of people quit listening. (laughs) But he didn't stop speaking. Who called Samuel? The Lord. And he answered, here, here, here I am. And keep reading. He ran to Eli and said, I'm here. You call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay down. Remember, he's a child. He's a little boy. Or, you know, child can mean as much as a teenager, depending on what you're reading. But he's young. And uh, he said, you called me. He said, "Uh, I didn't call you. Go lay down. So he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again. Samuel. Samuel got up and ran to Eli. He said, I'm here. You call me. Eli said, I didn't call you, boy. Go lay down. (laughs) So, for Samuel did not yet, what? Know the Lord. Is the Lord talking to him? Does he know it's the Lord? No. No. Now, I want you to, to, to get a hold of this. Who's talking to him? The Lord. The Almighty. The creator of the heavens and the earth. It didn't scare him. It didn't startle him. So it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't strange. It wasn't bizarre. Come on, can you see this? People are looking for the startling. They're looking for the spectacular. They're looking for the strange and bizarre. God spoke. It would be a booming, you know, the lowest bass you've ever heard. And shake the room. And He could do that, but why would he do that? He doesn't want to scare you. Especially a little boy. Why would he want to, you know, that could frighten a kid <laughs> out of their senses. He's not wanting to scare him. He's wanting to talk to him. But Samuel didn't, he didn't yet know the Lord. He had to learn the voice of the Lord. He had to come to recognize that it was God talking to him. And it was so normal seeming and sounding to him that he was sure Eli had called him from the room across the way. And the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Samuel, this is the third time now. And what does he do? He pops up. He runs over to Eli. Why? Because he, as far as he knows, nobody else is in there. <laughs> right? So it's got to be Eli. <laughs> I'm, I know uh, Brother Hagin uh, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, my father in the faith. I'm so thankful, Phyllis and I, for the time we had with him and Miss Aretha in that ministry. He was and is a prophet of the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord like this multiple times in his life. 
He said back in the 50s, he was in a tent meeting. And he said uh, they were praying. They just all had a time of prayer. And he was on the little platform in the tent meeting, knelt down and praying. And he said he, he, he heard somebody uh, in, a, in a voice say, come, come up here. Come up here. And he thought, what, who is that? He said, there's some Yahoo out here standing on this little knoll next to the tent trying to disrupt the service. <laughs> and he said, he said again, come up here. Or come up hither, I think is what he said. Come up hither. And uh, he said, why don't the, he's thinking while he's trying to pray, why don't the ushers go take care of that guy? Come up hither. Come up hither to the throne of God. And he said he turned and looked. And he said when he looked, the top of the tent was gone. And he saw the glory. But do you hear that? In the beginning, he thought it was a man. We must stop searching for the spectacular and the bizarre and the strange and learn to identify the one who's in us 24-7. One of the things you're going to find is his communication with you is familiar. Oh, somebody say familiar. 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 Your loved ones, your spouse, your, your brothers, sisters, mom, dad, children, grandchildren, they could call you on the phone. And even with a less than perfect uh, feed on the phone, before they say three words, might you recognize who this is? Yeah. Huh? Maybe. <laughs> Why? Because you have spent so much time with them, you are so familiar with their voice, you know who it is immediately. Amen. Not because it's spectacular, but because it is so familiar. Familiar. Uh, keep reading here in, in Samuel. What did he tell him to do? The Lord called Samuel the third time, and he got up, went to Eli. He said, I'm here. You call me? And Eli perceived, well, he's the high priest. He should know something about this. He perceived that the Lord had called the child. Verse 10. Uh, well, verse 9, I skipped it, didn't I? Eli said to Samuel, go lay down, and it'll be if he calls you again, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, boy, this is Revelation. Why didn't the Lord just, you'll find here in the following verses, the Lord had a lot to say to him. Why didn't he just start and say it all the first time when he called him? Or the second time? Or the third time? We need to respond. Everybody say respond. Respond. Say it again. Respond. We must respond to the Spirit. To get the fullness of what he wants to communicate to us. The Lord gave me three words uh, that begin with an R. Back years ago when I was teaching on this subject of being led by the Spirit. 
three keys to being led by the Spirit. One is reverence. You must reverence and respect the Holy Spirit. Two, you must recognize the Spirit of God. Three, you must respond. Say it out loud, reverence. Reverence. Recognize. Recognize. Respond. Respond. This is recorded so we would, generations would know these truths. Uh, the Spirit of God caused Eli to realize what was going on. And so he told this young boy, uh, Samuel, he said, okay, all right, I see what's going on. Um, you go back and you lay down. And if he calls you again, you say this. Speak, Lord. Your servant is hearing. Uh, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Say that out loud. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. See, what if you're not listening? Why does he need to tell you anymore? You're not listening. Huh? See, the Lord's not like a lot of folks are that'll just keep talking and talking even when they know people are not listening. (laughs) He's not that way. He knows if you are or if you're not. He knows if you want to hear it or if you don't. So Samuel had to recognize that the Lord was talking to him. And then he had to respond to him and, and let him know, I want to hear what you are saying to me. I want to hear. He said, uh, uh, verse 9, read it again. He said, when the, uh, you go lay down and it'll be that if he, if he calls you, that you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood. Uh, and this indicates that it was an angel of the Lord. And called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. Can you picture little Samuel laying there? And uh, oil lamp flickering in the background. In the temple of God. And Samuel in his little boy voice said. Speak Lord. Your servant hears. And oh man. This was the beginning of a lifetime. Of one of the highest levels. Of the prophet's ministry. The Bible said in just a few verses later. That uh, as he grew up and became a man. The whole nation knew. He was ordained of God to be a prophet of the Lord and that the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. What does that mean? Everything he said, that he said the Lord said, it came to pass. But it started with a reverence, a recognition, and a response. Is this okay, child of God? Are you you here with us today? Do you reverence the Lord's things? Do do you want to hear what he has to say to you? Well, we must acknowledge him and we must recognize him. We must stop looking for the strange. Go with me to John 10, please. Thank you, Lord, for helping us today. John 10, would you go there, please? 
Glory to God. Blesses me so much as a minister and a pastor when I can sense that what the Lord wants to speak to people is happening. (laughs) It blesses me because you can say and do everything that you might imagine to do. And unless the Lord reveals and quickens, it doesn't happen. But it's happening. And um, Faith Life Church people are some of the most spiritually aware and some of the best spirit-led peoples that you will find and meet anywhere on the planet in this generation. Now, now you notice the phrase I said, I didn't say we were the best. If we are the best... That puts everybody else second place. And that's just not true. We are some of. <laughs> See, that leaves room for other people, right? <laughs> we are some of. Some of the very best. <laughs> At being, spirit, being aware spiritually and being led by the Spirit. In John 10 and verse 1. John 10, 1, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Keep reading for the next few verses here. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Say that loud, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Said out loud, the sheep follow him. Why? Why? Because they know his voice. Are you born again? Is the Lord your shepherd? Are you one of his sheep? Do you know his voice? I said, do you know his voice? Another way of saying that, the sheep recognize his voice because they're familiar and know his voice. They recognize his voice when he speaks. Verse 5, and a stranger, what? They won't follow a stranger. They'll flee from him. Why? Why will they do that? Because they know not, they don't know, they don't recognize, it is unfamiliar to them, the voice of the stranger. You don't follow the unfamiliar. You don't follow the strange and bizarre. Because you are his sheep. You know his voice. You want to get that in your mouth. What do you mean? I've had people look at me with tears in their eyes and I feel their frustration saying, Brother Keith, please pray for me. I, I don't know what to do on this. And man, if I make the wrong decision on this, it could mess up my life so bad, you know. But I've prayed and I've prayed and I just can't seem to hear from God. I, I, I've done everything I know to do. I've, I've, some people said I've fasted and I just can't, I can't seem to hear from him. I can't seem to hear from him. Then your words are stout against him. Because he said, you know his voice. 
And in that case, I assure you, in that case, the Lord has already spoken to them. I've seen it a thousand times plus. What do you mean? He's already spoken to them and they didn't recognize that it was him. They're still looking for something else. Have you ever done it? Yes. Have you ever walked with Have you walked with the Lord long enough? Huh? I've done this. One day I realized this. Thank God it was a few years ago. But I kept asking the Lord about something. And I kept, and, and finally in a time I was kneeling down praying about something and I was I was bothered by it because Man, the time had come almost and gone, and I needed to know something here. And I saw in my spirit this. I saw myself going, Lord, show me the answer. Lord, I really need to see the answer. Oh, God, if you could just talk to me. And I mean, see, because I got to have it now. And if you could just show me, Lord, I, I really need to see what it is. And I stopped for a moment and I thought, this? Well, this has been here for eight months. The Lord said, yeah, I know. And I realized that was him. He's not slow. He's not slow. He's not dull. He knows what you're going to ask before you ask. He knows what you need before you knew you needed it. Come on, are y'all with me? He's ahead of you. Way ahead. All the time. And I have found this. The, the, the better I learn to listen to him, a lot of times before I finish my sentence, I'm seeing the answer. But if I'm looking, you know, when Jesus came unto his own, what happened? His own received him. Why? They're looking for something else. Well, it's him. It's God manifested in the flesh. Yeah, but they're, they're looking for something else. In fact, many today still looking for something else. I'm not looking for something else. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, I'm not looking for something else. And I'm his sheep. I know his voice. Don't ever say you can't hear from God. When your head seems like it's in a cloud or confused or a blank, it's also important that out of your spirit you say, I am his sheep. I know his voice. A stranger's voice I will not follow. He orders my steps. He is leading me. He's guiding me. He's directing me. I have an unction, an anointing of the Holy One. And I know all things that I need to know. See, you've got to talk like this when your head doesn't have a clue. Come on, somebody needs to say it right now. Say it out, say, say it out loud. I am his sheep. I know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. Oh, friends, you need to say this another thousand times over the next week or two. What do you mean? I know his voice. Do not, it is not humility 
to say, well, you know, I'm not the most spiritual in the world, you know, and, and uh, my wife, you know, boy, she can hear from God pretty good, but I guess I, I'm not the prayer that, that she is. Well, thank God she can hear from God, but she can't hear from God for you. And why should she be able to hear from God and you can't hear from God? Why? What would be the reason? It's just not true. It's a matter of being lazy and not, not paying attention. No, the one who's in you, the Spirit of God who is in you, has been inside you 24-7 since you were born again. Huh? He's in you every moment of every hour of every day. So when he communicates something to you, it's not going to be new that you've never been around. He's in you 24-7. He's going to be so familiar. And it's not going to put you in fear. He's the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. I need to keep going. Can you take a little more? Oh my, I need some more time today. Can you you give me a little more time today? Uh, Keep reading in, in John 10. The NIV in verse 5, the NIV of verse 5, John 10, he says, They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is true literally with a sheep flock and their shepherd. Physically, literally. And he's using it to teach us about how it is with us and our great shepherd, the Lord. Uh, Verse 14 He said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. Said out loud, he knows me and I know him. him. He said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice. And there will be one fold and one shepherd. He's talking specifically about us who were Gentiles. Hmm? Us. And we, we will hear his voice. And I do hear his voice. Verse 27. What did Jesus say? Verse 27. He said, my sheep. Are you his sheep? Are you his sheep? My sheep hear my voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. And my sheep hear my voice. For I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Said out loud, I am his sheep. I know his voice, and I hear his voice. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Go to John 14. John 14. And notice this, before Jesus left the earth as he is finishing his uh, earthly ministry, I mean this is uh, hours before he was, he was crucified in John 14 and, and 16, he said this right before he left, he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another what? Comforter which is one of the all-encompassing names of the Holy Spirit. 
He's the what? Not the startler. Not the startler. Not the scarer. <laughs> the what? The what? Comforter. Comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world. What? Cannot receive. Why? It doesn't see him. It doesn't know him. The Amplified says, it does not see him or know or recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you and will be in you. One of the dumbest things we ever said, or a Christian ever said, is I can't hear from God. No, he's been talking to you. Don't try to hear an audible voice. Don't try to see something spectacular in the sky. What got you to respond, to walk the aisle, uh, to pray the prayer with somebody on TV? What caused you to know that? That same spirit that revealed to you your, your need of Jesus. That same spirit that causes you to know you're a child of God. He has been in you every moment of every day and every night since then. And he's been trying to talk to you. I don't mean audible voices. I mean just commune with you and cause you to know things. And and, and bear witness with your spirit. And you, you know him. Somebody say, I know him. I know his voice. I hear his voice. But here's the question. Are we what? Paying attention. Are we listening? Are we still looking for something else? That's why we need to have times where we get quiet. Be still, he said. And know that I am God. There are times we need to get quiet and shut up. Oh man, we got so much stuff with technology now. We got loud voices all around us you need to shut them off you need to shut them down you need to get somewhere get still get quiet and pay attention not looking for something bizarre or even spectacular what is in you who is in you all the time and in times of seeking him and waiting on him and looking to him light will come up from your spirit. He will use your spirit like a light and like a lamp. It'll come up to your understanding and all at once you'll see what to do. You'll know what to do. Not spectacular, very familiar, very comfortable. The spirit of adoption that makes you feel comfortable, that makes you feel like you belong. The comforter that ministers peace to you. Can you say amen? Amen. Look in closing to uh, uh, Colossians, the third chapter, please. Colossians 3. There's so much more to say about this, but are we getting it? We're getting all of it. Okay. (laughs) See, I told you you were spiritually aware and, uh, and sharp. In Colossians, the third chapter... 
The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of adoption. He's called the comforter. He's called the spirit of peace. The spirit of peace. And notice what Colossians 3.15 says. 3.15 says, let the peace of God do what? Rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Oh, friend, if you need to make a decision, need to know what to do. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I get involved with it? Do I not get involved with it? Ask the Lord. Lord, give me direction. Lord, show me what to do. And then don't just ask another thousand times. He heard you the first time. Hmm? He's already trying to show you. So what do I do? I check my heart. I'm not looking in my head. I'm not looking to other people. I'm looking inside me. The Bible said, you know, Proverbs said, counsel in the heart of man is like, is like deep water. A wise man will draw it out. Check your heart. And when I think about doing it, is there a, a frustration? Is there a feeling of, of fear or anxiety with that? Do I think about doing it or not doing it? When I think about not doing it, do I have more peace? Can you see this? I'm not trying to hear an audible voice. I'm not looking for something spectacular and bizarre and strange. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. He's already leading me. He's already talking to me. I just need to pay attention. I need to get what he's, what he's already been showing me. And, and if I'm thinking about not doing it, and uh, uh, this happened with Phyllis and I just the other day. I'm making a decision about a travel thing. You know, uh, it was already planned. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Well, I want to do whatever the Lord says to do, but I need to know. The only way to get it right is to be led. That's the only way. Not by my head, not by what somebody else thinks. The only way. So I, something kept bothering me about it. And, and Phyllis and I talked about it. And finally, well, what, what's bothering you? I don't know. I don't know why. But I know, that's enough to know that something's bothering me. Right? <laughs> so what do we do? We, we begin to think about not doing it. And then the Lord showed us another way it could be done without me going there and doing that. And uh, at the moment that we talked about that, I felt relief in my spirit. Oh, come on. Can you see what I'm talking about? I had a sense of peace. Oh, somebody say peace. When I kept thinking about the other, I'm not at rest over it. Something's bothering me about it. What's bothering you? I don't know with my head. But something's, I don't have peace about it. But the moment that we talked about, well, we could do this and it could still happen, but I'm not physically going there and doing it. Oh, man, it was a release. I thought, well, yeah, that's, that's it. And I believe we had the direction of the Lord. Uh, read this in the Amplified. Verse 15 let the peace from Christ rule. Let it act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. Let what do that? What does the umpire do? 
Huh? Safe or out? Is that right? Huh? Safe or out? The ump calls it. Well, who's calling it in your life? Go or don't go? Do it? Don't do it. Accept it? Don't accept it. Buy that? Don't buy that. I mean, there's a thousand and one things every day and every week we got to make decisions on. The only way to get it right and not miss it is to be led by the Spirit. Because no matter how much research you do, you can never know enough. You can't know all the variables. You certainly don't know the future. How can I get it right? There's somebody inside you. I said there's somebody inside you who knows everything about everything, including the future. That's one of the things Jesus said the comforter will do. He'll even show you things to come. That's not the issue. He's faithful. You can count on him showing you what's the problem. People are not listening, not paying attention. They're they're wanting something more spectacular. They're looking for something strange and bizarre. Just like Samuel had to learn and recognize the voice of the Lord. And he had to respond and say, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. We have to quit looking outside for the spectacular and bizarre and say, I'm his sheep. That's the same communication in spirit that has ministered to me. Uh, since I, I was uh, born again. He's in me every moment of every night and day. I know his voice. Hallelujah. And the spirit of peace will give you peace when you're looking at the right thing. Let that peace act as umpire. Let it decide with finality all the issues that come up in your mind that you need to make a decision about. If you agree with that, say, okay, Okay. I will. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet.